The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Okay, we're going to get started. So, um, yeah. Hey, I don't know how many of you uh, have had the opportunity to spend time with Scotty and Bob this weekend. Um, I know some of us staff like just keep putting events on the calendar so we get to keep hearing them and... Um, but this has been one of the most fruitful weekends of my year, for sure. Um, Lindsay and I went out after last night and just just talked about how God's moving in our hearts and stretching us and um, doing some really good things that um, hopefully we can get started on now before we're 50 and not, um, you know, have one of those epic breakdowns before we have to talk about these things. So um, this has been really, really fruitful. Um, the format for this morning, um, we're going to have Scotty talk for a little while, and then Bob's going to come up and share some um, some comments on top of that, and then we're going to um, just have some dialogue. So as you think about the last couple nights, um, or as they're speaking this morning, um, thoughts come up or questions, or you want to ask questions about how you lead your gospel communities, or um, anything is probably on the table at this point. Um, but we are so appreciative of you guys. You know, you're like on your way to the airport right now. Um, and, and giving us your final breath. So really appreciate you. Um, so let me pray, and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we do love you. Um, we do love you, and we are so grateful for um, men and women that love you, that are called by you, um, first and foremost, to be your sons and daughters, uh, to put on display your kindness, um, to reflect back to uh, us, your mercy and your grace, your compassion, your tenderness. Um, and as we, as we do that in community, Father, I pray that you would, um, by your spirit, make, make us a people that um, recognize our brokenness, our need for you, um, that that's normal, that should not lead to shame or guilt or fear. Um, and so we, we thank you for what you're doing this weekend and in, in this community, in our, our church, in our city. Um, pray for this weekend. Thank you so much for the gift that Scotty and Bob have been. Pray that you would bless them. Um, you bless their marriages and their families and their children and grandchildren um, because of the faithful work that they, um, yeah, have obedient, been obedient to you. Um, so bless us this morning. We love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jeff, my fly fishing friend. Jeff enticed me with magnificent pictures of his son on his back and big fish in his hands. That just... It's a double endearing picture in my heart, so I uh, look forward to getting on some of y'all's beautiful water with him and maybe some of you someday. Um, l- let me say, since this is the last chance I'll uh, get, get to speak to any kind of gathering in this uh, wonderful church, it's been, uh, um, been very important for me to be here this weekend. I have the privilege of uh, traveling sometimes more than, uh, than I ever thought I would, and I really enjoy getting to do what I do, and hopefully that's a, a ministry of encouragement. But uh, oftentimes it's kind of like uh, when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus, at least we know of one home he could go to and simply kind of fully be present in, in terms of relaxing, and we know that was the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And uh, there's just different times when Jesus intersected with that one 
nuclear family, and uh, it'll be fun in the new earth to hear more stories about what that was like. And, uh, but, and Bob would say this as well. Sometimes you travel, you just sense a deeper heart connection in communities. And as brief as this has been, it's been wonderful to wade into a little bit of y'all's community. And, uh, and uh, I thank you for um, making uh, God's welcoming heart so evident to me. It's been a joy to be here. I probably have been asked more times in any given hour, is there anything we can do for you than any place I've traveled in my life? So it's, it's a joy to be here. And I look forward to praying for this church and encouraging you guys in the future any way I can. Well, this morning, um, what we want to do is to talk a little bit about how the gospel invades and shapes our uh, home community, our community life as a body. And I commend y'all as a church for being so committed to assimilating as many people as you can who call Park Church home, assimilating them into a, a community group. And uh, I think that's critical for the church moving forward for a lot of reasons. I think it really does celebrate that Jesus came to redeem people, places, and things, not just people. So you have a structure that goes to the neighborhood where your people live. You, you have a vision that uh, this is not for God. We're not just trying to get people into the building here against the backdrop of a very scary world. Uh, you are making some profound statements about the fact that you you want connection. You want men and women to be involved in community where they live, work, and play. And that's so important. So thank you that you do that. Now, what we've been challenged with this morning is just to talk through that structure in terms of, let's just remind ourselves what what a maturing small group structure can look like. What What are... You know, if, if, if the paradigm is going to be a gospel culture, how can we cultivate that more fully in what we're already doing? And uh, to go there, I, I wanted to put the God story painting back up on the screen because I want to mention the importance of, of our home groups uh, telling, showing and telling the story of God. And I'll give you some language. Hopefully that will make a clearer connection there. But then we're also, and perhaps more importantly, going to look at a core passage that when we first planted Christ Community Church, we put into play to do the very thing you're talking about, uh, which is how can Christ-centeredness, how can Jesus transform our relationships in the whole church, and especially through this very important modality of a small group structure. So let me just pray one more time for us, and then we'll jump right in. Father, thank you so much for uh, this weekend. Thank you for these courageous men and women that, Lord, are a means of humility and hospitality in Park Church and in the communities where this congregation lives, works, and plays. Thank you that early on they discovered in this church that their calling is not to be the, the best or the holiness or the holiest or the most intact, um, but they are to be a community of leaders that um, sign on for a greater exploring of the unsearchable riches of Jesus together. And out of the overflow of learning the 
beauty of the gospel, the wonders of the love of God, the power of the Spirit of God, just to share that with people that would gather in homes and community settings. So uh, I, I commend them to you, Father. I pray that these leaders would increasingly know that none of them is the fourth member of the Trinity. They're not called to fix people. They're not called to uh, be anything more than those that boast increasingly in the Lord Jesus and therefore boast more comfortably in their own weakness. To this end, we invite you to help us think through Scripture this morning and, uh, and your story played out in our hearts and where we live, work, and play. To this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to a passage that maybe some of you actually have tattooed on your back, if you would, because uh, it would take your whole back to tattoo the whole passage, turn to Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. Um, when we planted Christ Community Church, we were coming from the backdrop of a church culture in greater Nashville, Tennessee, where people loved either having a big church where they could go hear a big fat sermon or where they could go and simply really enjoy a bunch of music. Now, that's very, very simplistic. But uh, in some ways, the church culture of the greater Nashville area, which once was called the belt buckle of the Bible belt, uh, it was really less about having a vision for the community and city. It was, it was even discipleship was more about you simply being more faithful to do spiritual disciplines so you could impress God. But uh, all that, of course, is deconstructed by the Scripture. We're in a, a larger story. We're in a more meaningful calling as the Church of Jesus Christ. And, and it's why we started, our, the first name we had for our small group structure was 242 Groups. And that wasn't new or novel. It just meant that we're going to be sitting in, we're going to continually be coming back to the way God describes life of the newly formed spirit-filled community now on this side of the great declaration, it is finished. So let me read this passage. I'm going to make some comments, and I'm going to connect it to the story of God as we think about what are some of the more, what are some of the ways we can integrate more fully a gospel culture into our home fellowship structure. Now, do y'all call them community groups, home fellowships? What is your official name? Community groups. Okay. Okay. No, I'm sorry. They're called what? Gospel community, good. And I know we got more than one church represented here. So uh, anyway, so let's listen to this scripture together, maybe with a fresh hearing, wearing the lens of the gospel. So this great summary statement of uh, the dynamic of this uh, post-Pentecost community now beginning to have a clear understanding of the lyric, music, and dance of the gospel. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
What an amazing paragraph. And let's remember, it's in the context of transition. Church did not all of a sudden figure out where do we fit into this Judaism thing and this new thing that's shaped by the resurrected Messiah, Jesus? They, they, they weren't immediately given a manual on. You don't have to go to the temple anymore. You now meet in homes. So appreciate the trajectory of growth. That will help us even understand that some of the language here is more descriptive than prescriptive. In other words, we, we, we would wrongly assume that the Bible teaches communism, that, that none of us should have private ownership or property, and that we should simply bring to the pastors of Park Church every title to every car and every home we own and pray that they'll be smart with it. Now, that's, that's not the emphasis here, but you know what? There's some profound abiding realities that dictate here's what when the gospel is in play, you're going to see a far greater generosity. You're going to see... A, a recapturing of a part of the original story. You know, think with me about when Adam and Eve were uh, placed in the garden paradise of Eden, the first panel. Um, one of the grand pictures they were given, one of the grand defining realities of being made in the image of God was that they were stewards, not primarily owners. And only grace can help us reclaim the fact that that's the heartbeat of gospel community, gospel reality. We live more as stewards rather than owners. And it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean you do not own stuff. It just means that even owning gets redefined by the fact that I am a part of a bigger story. And so stewardship, you know, to do all of life as stewardship in a local church begins to create this incredible, this ongoing theme of Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've entrusted to me and my family, and, and, and lead us and give us wisdom. Help us to be uh, generous with time, talent, and treasure. See, that's one of the things we're going to see that will be true of gospel community. Time, talent, and treasure get repossessed by the gospel for the purposes of the kingdom. Before I run to that, let's just, just look really far more, though, at some of the foundational commitments. And uh, so he, here's, here's going to be some ways of looking at gospel community that we're going to have to fight for, especially as our culture changes. Let's start with this first affirmation about the, this community. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is a learning community. So we always want to say that a, a gospel-shaped local church, and therefore it's children's ministries, it's student ministries, it's ministry of the arts, it's small group ministry. It's going, to, it's going to love the Word of God, not worship the Word of God. We're not bibliolaters, but we do, we want to continue to make clear to our irreligious friends coming into our churches or our de-church friends who have real cynicism about the Bible. We don't want to apologize for the fact that we're so glad that God has spoken and He has not stuttered. And we want to be more comfortable with the mysteries of Scripture. Please, in your small group structures, don't feel the burden to know everything. You know, some great answers sometimes when people gather in our homes to say, what the heck does that mean? To say, I have no clue. Let, let, let's, let's study that together. Let's press in. But you see the centrality here of, of loving the Bible, but increasingly through the gospel, looking for Jesus in every part of Scripture. And uh, we know that beautiful picture there in um, 
Luke 24 after the resurrection of Jesus and uh, walking almost comically in the story of men on the Emmaus Road, Jesus is uh, able to keep himself from being fully known and, uh, and until later in the evening. But we know that when he finally reveals himself to these very forlorn men that aren't aware of the fact that this is Jesus and that he r- was risen from the dead, uh, you know, you have that scene where he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he showed them all things concerning himself. So to be committed to the apostles' teaching is going to mean that we learn to love the Bible, increasingly look for Jesus in every part of Scripture. We'll see Jesus running through the whole story, which leads me to the one of the things about the narrative painting I didn't highlight. All four panels, and if you were not with us Friday night or any time yesterday, and this is new to your eyes, this is a narrative painting that we commissioned and is in Christ Community Church's worship space, telling the story, the fourfold plot line of the whole Bible, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. I didn't mention this, but if you notice, all four of these panels are sewn together by a scarlet thread, highlighting the fact that Jesus is everywhere in the story. So in our community groups, a uh, you know, a gospel-shaped orientation towards the Bible, whether you're, you're gathering to work through the current sermon series that's going on or some of your friends show up in your groups and just have questions about the Bible, increasingly what we want to do as leaders is, is to learn how, how, to, how to see Jesus throughout the Scripture, how in our commitment to the apostles' teaching that means that we're not just defending the authority of the Bible, and there's meaningful, loving, compassionate ways of doing that, but we ourselves are wanting to see the whole of God's story. And we want to we wanna see that Christ is everywhere in all of the Scripture. And we want to reinforce the kind of good gospel preaching that we are hearing in the pulpit. So for sure, we want to be a uh, gospel community um, is going to be something that's always reinforced and strengthened by a love for the Bible and seeing the Bible as Martin Luther saw it as the cradle of the Christ. Uh, and that leads me to one more affirmation I want to say about Uh, both for the whole of Park Church or any church represented here, and therefore also all of our ministries, children, student, you name it, they all need to catch this rhythm. A good way of seeing the apostles' teaching, a good way of understanding where the gospel is going to take us as a culture is to, if you don't, you don't have to use this language, there's nothing magic in these words, but the gospel is going to help us understand that we are characters in God's story and carriers of God's story. Those are two important, I think, uh, categories that will help us understand that here's what a a community group structure is all about. We're gathering as a part of a larger church family. And as we gather in a home gathering space, wherever we meet, we, we are, there, there's something larger always going on here than the fact that y'all pray for my dog that's very sick, okay? And that's an important thing to do, to pray for everybody's pet in your small group structure. I'll never minimize any need that's brought. But it's wonderful when we can begin to help all of us think about, you know, we're, we're characters in this story, that we are made in the image of God, and, and we're all broken, and, and the leaders being very comfortable with their vulnerability and their brokenness. And, and we have a great and gracious Savior in Jesus. And, 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 and we, we should be encouraged that struggle as we do, there is consummation, there is resolution, there is restoration at the end of the story. So we're living in the narrative of Scripture uh, as those that are freely wanting and expecting God 
to do what God alone can do as we gather in our homes. This is a part of what I mean. When you think about apostles' teaching as the whole of the story, uh, the burden's not on you to make it a great night in your home. The Lord is at work. The Lord is absolutely at work in the lives of those. Some of the people that come into your community groups that have arms crossed and are disengaged, don't think the Lord isn't messing with them. You know, just a, a greater vision of this is his story. And that's why we want to talk far more about God's story than my story. Now, my story fits in that larger story. Let me go on here because I don't want to rob any of Bob's time either. But just look at the rhythms here and just see how gospel understanding of this passage is going to reinforce. Yeah, let's make sure we, we don't get away from Scripture or embarrassed about Scripture when people don't like the Bible. Now, there's always winsome ways of moving in. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Notice they didn't, devo- they didn't devote themselves to fellowship as a phenomenon, but to the fellowship. And that is highlight. Bob mentioned something in a it was a very courageous thing that Bob shared last night with us about uh, what, what does it mean to move towards someone that's saying, we don't like church anymore? Do you simply say, bye-bye, or, or codependently refuse the pain of wading into that? Or do you say, no, wait a minute. Now, I love the language you used last night, Bob. Wait a minute. We're, we're in covenant community here, and, and, and we, we started something that we had our eyes open to, and what did we expect, that it would always be easy or fun? No. You see, there's something we want to reinforce in terms of our small group structure is that we really are connected through Christ. That, that, um, and this isn't about having the little scorecard of what percentage of meetings the people actually show up in your small group, but, but we want to we wanna reinforce that a part of our growth in grace will mean that we, we, do, we do live and walk together through the raptures and ruptures of life. See, in any community group setting, there's going to be times when some people have a fresh sense of hope, and there'll be times when people wonder, do we even go tonight because our marriage sucks so bad? And we want to create that environment that would say we're committed to something that's not highly subjective, but it really says we, 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 we want to encourage people to stay present. And, and how do we do that? Not by shaming people, but, but by increasingly, uh, as the pastors on the whole church saying, you know, our community groups are vital to who we are because, you know, what takes place there is, is the rhythms of what we're learning through the study of Scripture. So uh, the gospel will enable us to help our relationships uh, have a greater stick to Now, to be committed to the fellowship, sometimes what that means is that you are going to uh, put in play those last verses in the little book of Jude before the benediction where you see this picture of to be committed to the fellowship means that we have mercy on those who doubt. You know, others we snatch out of the fire. Some we, we go after the, the brink of their going off the ledge, you know, as Jude would say, hating the garments defiled by the flesh. It means that to do community, be committed to fellowship, uh, we, we care enough to risk the awkwardness of pursuing each other. And you know what? As, as leaders, you help do that. It's not your responsibility as a home group fellowship leader to, to bat, pastor every single person, but there's a network of understanding. You work with your pastors. You good communications in play. You haven't seen someone in a while, and you begin to kind of think about them. And, and that's going to underscore here in a few minutes the picture of, and, 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 and daily they met 
together in the temple courts. We don't meet daily on this property, but see, in a good community group structure, what's going to happen is we are far more of staying in touch during the week. You know, it's just amazing what an occasional text can do just to kind of, you know, hey, thinking about you. You know, you mentioned that thing the other night about, you know, just really going to see your dad and, you know, you feel like you're going from six feet tall to three feet one, praying as you go this weekend. You know, we want to create a rhythm of, it's one of the things a community, community group can do, uh, you know, uh, some, where, where people don't feel invaded, Ch- you know, uh, exchanging emails, just, just finding a way to stay in touch, reinforcing you matter. We know your name. In some ways, a community group can give a little bit of that reality of, uh, remember the old TV show? I always ask it now because I'm so old. I'll say things that people say, I have no clue who Jackson Brown, the singer you just talked about was. So do you all know the TV show Cheers? All right, good. Okay. So that, you know, I'm not so old. You would not know that one. But you know, one of the themes of Cheers was, and it's, to me in some ways, it's a picture of a community group. Uh, everybody knows your name. See, there's a sense of a dynamic. The gospel creates welcome and, and I know your name and, and learn names and reinforce names, but a connection that takes place through the rhythms of life. Gospel, you see, will turn, will change a small group structure simply from a rigid discipleship orientation into we're sharing life under the teaching of God's story. And, and we're characters in the story and we're carriers of it. You know, we're going to find ways of how the Lord is going to even maybe even use our group to, to have a, 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 a missional face to it. And certainly some of the more uh, I think important movements and uh, small group structure ha- have been uh, putting in place that missional orientation, how when a home fellowship or community group can even think about, hey, you know, m- maybe there's, uh, maybe the Lord's going to put a part of his story on our heart. We're going to become more aware of how in Denver there's a neighborhood over here that um, that would really, you know, love a group like ours to show up one day and just paint a porch. I mean, there's just, there's just connections and bridges when you who study the gospel together begin to serve Jesus together, just things take place there that are profound. So that missional orientation of just finding the rhythm of um, we who are being served by our, our dear pastors that are giving us scripture and the worship we enjoy, you know, how, how, how again are we thinking about our group impacting where we live, work, and play? Um, so we're committed to being framed by the story, the fellowship, breaking of bread into prayer. Now, this would be language when Luke wrote the book of Acts that would speak really more about some, uh, some beautiful liturgical rhythms. And I'm not getting into a conversation today about liturgy proper, but the breaking of bread quite, quite probably was. Uh, at least It was at least inclusive of knowing the centrality of the Lord's Supper. And I'm so glad that Park Church does honor the Lord's Supper. It's a tangible expression of the grace of God. But you know, there is something good about table fellowship. And if you want to learn more about that, a theology of table fellowship, let me give you two names. Uh, Some of you may know the name Francis Schaeffer. His wife, Edith, wrote an incredible book years ago about why Labrie this amazing community that started in Switzerland, why it started in the kitchen. There's just a theology of shared meal. It's a theology of sharing bread, breaking bread, that goes from Genesis all the way into the new earth. And so it's not that a small group um, should 
offer the Lord's Supper. I think all the, you know, both of the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are under the overseeing of the elders and pastors of the church. But, but you know, the rhythm of sharing bread, sharing life, table conversation. Uh, Edith Schaefer, and then uh, some of you may know the jazz musician uh, Charlie Peacock, his wife Andy Ashworth also wrote a book on hospitality, the ministry of hospitality. So just think of your home fellowships. That's literally part of what you're doing. You're, you're creating space where the sharing of life, the, the breaking of bread, which is uh, lingering at meal. Um, I don't know what that looks like in y'all's small group structure, but think about indeed enjoying um, enjoying the uh, sensate reality of offering with one another good meal, good conversation. Gospel does that. Commitment to prayer. Now, in the Greek, this is literally a plural word, the prayers. And there's something, I think, to be said here about uh, when the gospel's in play, we don't just think about our group, but we're connected, connected to a larger story. And, and, you know, in the temple courts, there would be reading of the prayers of Scripture, Right, so there's there's something about that would say, number one, I would say, uh, you you cannot in your home fellowships love praying together too much, and uh, and I'm going to underscore that when those of us that gathered yesterday afternoon for a happy happy hour here, first genuine happy hour ever enjoyed at a church, it was awesome yesterday, but the, we who gathered part of the worship culture under Joel's leadership talked about prayer. And, and I want to say this, that if there's anything I learned from the Yoda of grace, the, the gospel Yoda in my life, Jack Miller, it was the beauty of a praying community and, um, and really taking prayer requests seriously and really praying for one another and creating a culture of prayer where through that community group, again, uh, you know, you even follow up on when things are shared. There's just a way of, uh, you know, I know we were praying about that. You know, how, how, how are things? Uh, um, so prayers here would say, I think, the centrality of a praying culture the gospel creates. And, and, and sometimes that might be uh, prayers of confession together um, uh, that may not be the same in a small group community as in corporate worship, but uh, I was sharing yesterday with our friends that gathered that uh, reading prayers of confession together is not a dry ritual. It's just like singing. You want to hear people singing around you. There's something about confessing sin together, confessing Christ together, and then moving into that time of, of, of quiet individual you know, reflection. We, we want in our community groups to deconstruct, privatize spirituality but not, repl- not replace personal spirituality. See, there's gospel creates corporate and personal spirituality, sharing of life. And that's going to be challenged by the fears of being known. Back to those three words that Bob mentioned last night, um, shame and fear and guilt. They're always warring against the health of a small group structure. So you want to anticipate as leaders, even as y'all gather at times like this, Lord, we pray you will create a gospel culture in our small groups, community groups that will, that will expose and dethrone sheer, uh, shame, fear, and guilt as we reflect upon Scripture together, as we pray for one another, as we appropriately touch one another through prayer, whatever that might mean. I don't want to kind of be a prescriptive for your group. Going on here, I'm just going to talk a few more minutes before Bob comes up because we want to have some good Q&A. Notice what verse 43 shows us. We, we begin now to find... Uh, the uh, 
the environment or the expectation that there's something that we want in our community group structure that's connected to the fourth panel? Do we believe that in, in, in your home gatherings that a foretaste of life in the new heaven and new earth can invade that small group? Uh, how might the Spirit be pleased to show up in ways that weren't in the evening script? I'm not trying to frighten anyone as though you're going to start, you know, lump, jumping over the backs of couches and swinging from chandeliers. But, but, but God loves to apply the gospel. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. Uh, you know, God is not limited to my expectation, but there's something wonderful in a community group structure where you really are praying together. Lord, thank you. We, we don't just have a small group structure. Lord, it's central to what you do in neighborhoods and communities and hearts of your people. So, Lord, let us look at verse 43. I love this. Everyone was filled with awe. I love that word. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Um, let me camp out on the concept of awe for a moment. In time, we created, in time, we developed the three core values that Christ Community Church became, and they still are gospel astonishment, gospel culture, and gospel movement. And we chose astonishment because the more we read the book of Acts, the more we read, you know, the Scripture, we saw this informed mind, inflamed heart, engaged hands motif that the gospel is lyric, music, and dance. The go gospel is, is, is a content to be understood, but it's like a great song. See, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, when you come to be a songwriter in Nashville, there's three things you are thinking about if your song is going to get pitched and recorded because there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of music thrown at artists that will not give it a second listening. So a good song will have a lyric. It has a, is telling a story or it has a hook that some would say, that works. But then there's a, there's a music, there's a melody that connects with that lyric, right? It goes from the head to the heart. There's something about there's an emotional content. But, but the dance is actually the movement that, you know, it moves you to iTunes to download it and pay for it, right? Or, or it moves you ho holistically. Think about how lyric, music, and dance of the gospel answer to the three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. You know, we have a Lord who speaks. We have a Lord who is the sacrifice and the, and the advocate of our souls who happens to be the king who's making all things new. So that goes back to the theme in a, in a whole church culture where the gospels have been play, reinforced in the small group structure. We are, we are those that are learning of our Lord. We are, we are um, as a priesthood of believers, caring for one another. We are boasting in Christ, not our ability to do anything. Uh, and and we, are, we are moving together into the dance of the gospel. And let me tell you two aspects of the dance of the gospel. And, and this will bring us to the missional motif. Dance of the gospel, quite literally, is uh, Luke 15, when the father pursues the self-righteous, stick-in-the-mud elder brother and the hedonistic, over-the-edge uh, younger brother. So the father pursues both for a grand party of which he hires the band as the first person on the dance floor. But even some ways, uh, I won't say more profoundly, I'll say equally profound, but central to even to knowing the exuberant reality of being beloved of the father, there's this magnificent benediction at the end of Romans, Romans 16:20, when the apostle Paul, to me, gives language to a, a missional community, a gospel-shaped missional community. Paul writes in Romans 16:20, 20, 
And the God of all peace, the God of all shalom, will soon crush Satan under your feet. I don't know if any of the pastors here have ever preached that passage before, but it will preach. Think about this. The God of all shalom, shalom being defining the reality of the world that God made where everything was as it was meant to be, everything aligning up, righteousness, alignment of all things. The God of all shalom, who in full view of the systemic brokenness of his entire creation, the God of all shalom, bringing shalom to bear in people, places, and things will soon crush Satan under your feet. Well, has Satan already been crushed under one set of feet in redemptive history? Very rhetorical question. Where did that happen? Where was Satan crushed under a set of heels? It's not a trick question, church. Cross, exactly. I'm always careful to ask questions that won't embarrass anybody. So, so we know the story points towards this incredible defeat of evil, we await the eradication of evil, right? And that's what I love about Paul writing to a house church movement in Rome that seems to be so threatened, so small, so insignificant that the outworking of the finished work of Jesus, third panel, the already and the not yet, we're part of that butterfly population because we've already been raised to new life in Christ. The egg, that's a pregnant, that's a fertilized egg because we're pregnant with glory. We're longing for the fullness of the kingdom to emerge in us and all around us. And that's where we, you know, that's where we want this larger expectation that this, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the awe of the gospel. Look what the Lord is doing. Uh, you know, folks, we kind of explain when God might very well bring a healing, bring a temporary healing from the future into the present. And I say temporary healing because, you know, I can't wait to talk to Lazarus about what it meant to die twice. But you see the invasion of, see the miracles of Jesus, you know what they really are? They're, they're not a trick of, a bag of tricks we pull out to impress people. Miracles remind us the way things used to be. There used to be no need for healing or exorcism. Uh, you know, uh, sovereign acts of God's Spirit remind us of the way things once were, but they also connect us with the way things will be. So we, 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 we want to pray, Lord, uh, astonish us with the glory of the gospel, create a culture of expectation where we do pray, and, 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 and let it look like this. I'll just, I'm going to kind of stop here because I want Bob to come up. I'm not trying to control anything here, but I'm going to be sensitive to y'all's morning because some of y'all have football to watch, walls to build, fish to catch, children to bounce on your knee. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions. So, you know, the goal in here and what's described here is this description of gospel generosity. And, uh, and, and, and that will be an evidence of throughout this church. Are, are, we, are we learning to live more as stewards and owners? Uh, is the gospel deconstructing my sense of entitlement? You know, um, now the gospel puts in place good boundaries for families. You're not hearing me say you, you, you don't honor boundaries. But what you are hearing me say is that, you know, the, the, this, this gladness, this joy that's attractional, you know, don't you love the way this text ends, with the, the Lord added onto their community deadlies that were being saved. See, see the, as, as we are enjoying 
uh, gospel culture in our small groups and it's invading how we worship God together. And as we're doing it in neighborhoods and people begin to say, what are these seven cars in front of your house every Thursday evening? What does that mean? Y'all got a poker game going? Oh, yeah, it's a great poker game. You ought to come and come check it out. We, we play good poker. But, you know, you, you, you want what we would want is people to be intrigued with what it looks like when the gospel is working in the lives of men and women that have fear, guilt, and shame, who are made in the image of God, who are a part of a grand story that guarantees a new heaven and a new earth. It's an amazing story and calling, right? It really is. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your story. And thank you that Jesus is the common theme from creation to new earth. And thank you, Lord, so much. Lord, my heart is so encouraged to hear the growing number of uh, community groups, of gospel community groups that are resident in this church. And I pray, Lord, for these leaders here who wonder how in the world that I ever get tagged leader. I am such a mess. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would realize we are so clueless about what a mess we really are. But we're also equally more clueless about the wonders of your love lavished on us in Jesus. Continue, Lord, to give us a love for the Bible and seeing Jesus everywhere in Scripture. Continue, Lord, to deepen our commitment to a people that, that we will walk with until we commit each other to the earth. Continue, Lord, to make life, sharing of life and bread, tears and uh, hopes, the rhythm of how we do the gospel together. Give us encouragement, give us yourself, and it is enough, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.